a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He replied, I've kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, there is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for mortals is possible for for God. This is the word of life. I had a friend in college who was not a Christian but had been raised on the fringes of Christianity. He knew that I was planning to go into ministry. I had heard around the edges that he was not a believer. One day we got in a conversation. And so I just ask him, why aren't you a Christian? What is it about Christian faith that you cannot abide? He quoted this very passage. He said, I'm not prepared to give away all of my money. I said, that is not the central teaching of Jesus. That is not the center of the gospel. Even though he had been raised around the church... He really did not know very much about Jesus or the gospel or the Bible or what a Christian life really looked like. I went on with him that day and tried to convince him that there were other parts of the gospel much more central to our Christian faith than this. Told him that, you know, Jesus was speaking to a certain person with a certain prescription. He never universalizes this teaching to all of us. He sort of stood like this. He was not to be convinced. I'm not sure he was interested in being convinced. I'm not sure this was the only issue he had with living a Christian life. I tried to explain to him, you are missing the main point. He didn't seem to care. But let's make sure that as we look at this story today, that we do not miss the main point. Let's make sure as we look carefully that we understand the main thrust of what Jesus is talking about here and what he is teaching. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Let's stop there for just a moment to understand the implications of what Jesus is saying. It seems like this man asking the question is trying to elevate Jesus to a position of somehow goodness separate from the rest of us, and Jesus seems to be having none of it. He says, why do you call me good? There's none good but God alone. In other words, we all have need of God. No one of us is God, and we all have need of God. 
this not only puts us all in the same boat, but also highlights that we all need God. Remember that as we go through the rest of these verses because it sets the context for everything that happens in the rest of this story. If we move along, then in verse 20, Jesus goes on to say, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and money. And if I may paraphrase, the guy says, I got that. I've got that one. I've done all that since my youth. I'm on it. I think he is ready to inherit eternal life right then. He's sure he is on board, that he is in the right place. But Jesus only lists five commandments there. Do you remember how many are in the list? Ten. He skips the first four, would have to do with a relationship with God and how we honor God in our lives. But he also leaves out the very last one of the list, which has to do with our human relationships. Do you know which one he leaves out? You shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's property, your neighbor's slave or your neighbor's animal or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet it. That is, you shouldn't lust after it. You shouldn't desire to take it. And it's interesting that in this context, in a country that has a very few rich people and lots of poor people, the dynamic is always the same. The wealthy have the power. They use their wealth and power typically to gain more wealth and power. It's human nature to sort of solidify their position or our position and then oftentimes we even use that wealth and power to advance our own wealth without regard to others or the implications or the consequences to others around us. It's in that context that Jesus sees this very wealthy person and leaves out this last commandment for just a moment. But as soon as the man replies, I have kept all these since my youth, Luke tells us, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, oh, there is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me think the man's heart may have skipped a beat right then you know he thought he had it oh yeah I've done all those since my youth and then Jesus says oh there's one more there's one more maybe this one is the one you need to attend to remember he started the conversation asking about eternal life but now they're right down into the nitty-gritty of this life and how the man's living Jesus gives him the way to eternal life reminds him of that last commandment the man's not so sure about it in verse 23 Luke says but when the man heard this he became sad for he was very rich the man became sad for he was very rich now some of us remember sermons we've heard on this that talk about then the man going away. But Luke doesn't say that the man leaves and never follows Jesus. 
All Luke records for us is that the man is sad. And they're still, I think, right there together. The sadness is becoming evident. The contrast becomes treasure in heaven or treasure here. And you can see the guy sort of leaning toward treasure here. But remember, just a few chapters before this, we looked at a text from Luke 16 a few weeks ago where Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Remember that? You cannot serve God and wealth. You have to have a priority. You have to make a choice. This man is at that crossroads again. He has to make a choice. He is sad, but Luke doesn't say he leaves. He sort of leaves him holding in suspense and letting us wonder what will he do? What decision will he make? Which way is he going to go? And then Jesus, still looking at him, according to Luke, says these words, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, some people think that Jesus right there says you cannot be rich and be a Christian or you cannot be rich and be in the kingdom of God. But what Luke records is that everyone who heard this is bewildered. Oh, the man is sad. He understands what Jesus is asking of him, what he's suggesting to him, what he's just revealed to him about the way to eternal life. But it seems that everyone is bewildered for those who heard it said then who can be saved who can be saved this image of a camel going through the eye of a needle is an image of impossibility but i don't think jesus says it's impossible to be rich and be a part of the kingdom of god rather jesus says it is impossible impossible to be rich and inherit eternal life without god at the center That our spiritual life is impossible without God. That's the gospel truth. You can't have a spiritual life without God. We all are in need of God. One of the commentators I read this week, I thought had some good insight. He summarized it like this. The question from bystanders is a proper one. How can anyone be saved since all of us participate to a lesser or greater extent in the love of money which afflicts this ruler? The answer is the same one given to Abraham and Sarah when they were told they would have a child in their old age. The same one given to the Virgin Mary as she stood in awe and bewilderment that she was to have a child. The answer is nothing is impossible with God. Only God can save whatever one's condition. Only God can save. The Christian spiritual life is impossible without God. That's the key here is where is God in your life? Riches alone are not enough for spiritual life. You must have God if your life is going to be a life lived on the path of Jesus. That's one of the things that God is revealing to us as he speaks through Jesus Christ throughout these gospels. Jesus is always pointing us back toward God and what God is doing in the world and what God is doing in our life. 
And this last sentence is the key, I think. Jesus replies when they all say, well, then who can be saved? This must be impossible. Jesus says, what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. Hmm, What is impossible for us, though, is possible with God. We all stand in need of God. We all have to turn our lives toward God if we're going to have a deep and rich spiritual life. But God is going to assist us. A friend of mine sent me an email not too long ago about a fellow seeing two horses in a field one day. There was a larger and a smaller horse. As he was sitting on the porch watching them, he noticed that the larger horse followed the smaller one everywhere that he went. He called the owner over, who was a friend of his, and said, what, what's the deal? How do they, how do, why are they so close? He said, walk down to the fence rail with me. I'll show you. They walked down to the edge of the field. The man called the horses over, and as they were trotting toward the two men, you could hear the tinkling of a bell. When they got right there in front of them, you could see that there was this small bell tied to the harness of the smaller horse. He said, you see, the larger of the horses is the older horse that I have. He's gone blind, but I've decided not to put him down. But I knew he was going to need some help to be able to live out here in the field. So I put the bell on the smaller horse and trained the older one to follow him around. That way he can get to the water, he can get to the food, he can get back to the barn at night. He has a friend and guide to help him have a good life. The man thought it was beautiful. And it is beautiful. And it's what God has done for us, in fact. Sometimes we are blind. Sometimes we have trouble seeing the way. But God has sent us Christ Jesus to reveal the way, to show us the path, to help us know where to go when we are having trouble seeing which way to go. It's about priorities, this story. Will we prioritize treasure in heaven or treasure on earth? Will we follow this way Jesus lays out or not? Another way to ask it, is Christ the king of your life? Next Sunday, we come to celebrate that very thing, but all of us have to come to grips with that. Is God the king? Is God the ruler? Is that the priority? Is that the way I make decisions? Do I use those values I find in the gospel? Is Christ the king? I sent all of you who are members here a a letter last month inviting you to follow the recipe. Within those commitment campaign materials, there was a five-step discernment process. I've known so many people over the years who really struggle with this idea of what to do with their finances. They don't really have a a well-rooted understanding of tithing and biblical stewardship. They're not sure how to get a grasp on this. And so I included those steps to help you move through that. I hope you could see that it was pointing you toward God, that it was suggesting that you look at your financial resources, but not those alone, but in the larger context of your spiritual resources and your relationship with God and set some priorities, maybe some new priorities, maybe some different priorities. This story is not just about the money. Our commitment campaign is not just about how much money You give back to God through the church. It's about your priorities. There was a farmer who, during the downturn, lost his farm. He lost his job, and then he lost his farm. 
He says basically they lost everything, he and his wife. They had to begin to scramble. They had lost the farm, but they still owed some money to the bank. They began to work whatever kind of jobs they could work, even stints in fast food residents, uh, restaurants trying to make it work. They said it was painful, it was difficult, but they were believing that God was with them through it all, that God would open another door, God would show them another way. They said it was about 18 months into that terrible experience that another door opened and they were offered a new opportunity to be managers at this exclusive hunting resort only about an hour from where they lived. They took it and went out there and began to work. The people who came, they said, were very wealthy. They had discretionary income. They were the ones who could take long vacations and pay lots of money to have someone set up this beautiful ranch and this beautiful place to hunt. They said, you know, but what we saw is even though they had lots of financial resources, they still came with despair sometimes. They still came with conflict in their life sometimes. They experience all different kinds of brokenness. He said, my wife Geneva and I could see that even after we had been through losing all of our financial resources, that so often our joy was more abundant than theirs. He said after they'd worked there about a year, they got a phone call from the guy who was the president of the credit union who had taken their farm. He asked if he could come and talk to us. We said, well, we'll come and see you. We'll drive back into town thinking it was something about our own financial resources. He said, no, I'll come to see you. And he showed up and he asked us questions. We began to talk. We kind of caught up on what had been happening. And then he, the farmer said, the man leaned in and said, I need to ask you something. I need to ask you something personal. 